Welcome one and all to another edition of the world's best Oklahoma State podcast, football podcast. Garen Emig, Tulsa World Sports columnist, back in the studio, chopping it up with Mark Cooper, who is the uh, beat writer for us, covering the Cowboys, covering the uh, the OSU football season. And uh, Mark, I, I wondered if we might be able to get away with a week off, since this is a week off for the football team. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday happened. And now I think there's much impetus on talking about OSU football as there ever has been, even during a week off. I I think the one thing we've learned in this state from both teams this year is bye weeks are much smoother if you come off a win when Uh you head into them. When when you lose, and when you lose two in a row and three or four like Oklahoma State, uh, there's certainly a lot to talk about heading into a bye week. And not much of it is is positive. I'm trying to think of, yeah, is there there something, let's, let's start there. Is there anything good that you take you, that you, a guy takes away a, cu- a fan a reporter takes away from Saturday in Manhattan anything at all Oklahoma State's kicker is uh is as consistent <laughs> as it gets Matt Matt Amendola is the uh the one shining light of that game other than that <laughs> Tylen Wallace is still good and Jordan Brailford's still good yeah. and and now I'm kind of running out of <laughs> <laughs> the weather was okay as it turns out yeah the weather, game day the weather, weather was, was actually great. quite pleasant the weather was great yeah um osu's performance just didn't live up to it yes that was uh that was probably their worst performance dating back to 2014 and i, I mean I, I can't really think of many in in between then that that they were just against an opponent yeah, that, that right they should beat and they were had more talent than that was just sort of a, a complete egg laying. Yeah, isn't that weird? A couple of years ago, they had more talent than Central Michigan and clearly should have beaten Central Michigan. And not not just because the officials screwed that game up at the end. I I know everyone falls back to that when they look back on that game. But I mean, who are we kidding? That was a that was a terrible day for for Mason Rudolph and James Washington, Mike Gundy, the whole program. That was a really no bad, really bad day. That's that's against that's a non conference opponent that you think you roll the ball out, and you win by thirty if you, with your C game. You lose it. It's not a Power 5 school. It's not a Big 12 school. And yet, I covered that game as well as I covered the one Saturday. I sat next to you uh, when the Cowboys lost to Central Michigan, and yet, man, I this feels much worse. That's what's, It doesn't make sense, but this yeah. really felt much the, less... The only, the only game in recent years I can compare it to, and I don't, I don't think you were there for this, was last year when they fell behind 42-13 to 13 to Kansas State. I wasn't State, there for that one. Yeah. You're just kind of like, what is going on here? Uh-huh. Obviously in that game they woke up a little bit too late right. and, and made a game of it and you know played well down the stretch, whereas this game, uh, I mean, I guess their defense played well for a half, but they sort of played as expected for a half. Their offense just never mm-hmm. woke up, and uh, it just, just didn't seem to have any energy. It, it was yeah. just a completely flat performance. Maybe it's the fact that you just can't be hopeful moving forward. Uh, um, after the K-State screw-up a year ago, well, you figure they still had the goods to get it together. No doubt. And they only had the only, the only game they had left after that was Kansas in their bowl game. And so well, that's, yeah, at that t- point... Time of year is also... Yes. Here in bowl, they were assured of making a bowl. Yeah. It was, this is obviously a different situation. But Central Michigan should have set off alarms, and I think it did. Um, mm-hmm. it, it probably did because it happened so early in 2016. But you, you looked at the quarterback. You looked at his receivers. You looked at the experience in, in, on, on defense. You looked at uh, the hope, and there was there's hope now. Of course, there had been hope, at least for the O-line. And I think fans still thought, uh, besides, again, the fact that the official got the, got the, uh, the situation wrong at the end, that fans thought, well, that just doesn't make any sense. Surely this isn't going to happen again. I think the the problem with what happened Saturday is that OSU fans 
rightfully so, worry that this is going to happen again. Well, in part because they've seen it before. Texas Tech was very similar, yeah. and, and it was just a, a flat performance, and they got overwhelmed, and uh, that one was over the course of four quarters, whereas this one was really two. But that's twice now in four weeks that I think uh, OSU fans have seen OSU not be very competitive against a team that they typically beat, and uh, you would argue that they have more talent than both Texas Tech and Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the fans just for a second. We'll, we'll break down the issues because there, we have time to do it, and there are plenty of them to, to break down. But I, I, I want to ask you about the fans for a second because I covered OU for years. It's no secret. And I'm familiar with the, the, the social media mob of OU fans, the, the sports talk, the message board mobs that are out there. When, yeah. when the Sooners lose a game, I, I, I'm completely aware of that. I had not been introduced to the OSU mob until Saturday. I don't remember seeing it after Central Michigan. I don't remember seeing it even uh, after the K-State loss in Stillwater. It's still out there a couple of days after the, after what happened Saturday. I, I just wrote a 2,000-word blog sort of di- wading back into the muck that, that was the uh, the OSU fan base after that game. And again, I don't blame him for being upset. But I want to ask you if, if, if the tone, the tenor, um, in terms of the reception to this loss feels different by the, and just among the fan base. I think so. I think it it feels like a I'm trying to think of what the right word is. I don't know. It feels like the season's at at a tipping point. Mm-hmm. And and it seems like fans are at a point where they're ready to bail on this season the way the way it's looking, the way it's going. Where I think that's different than the last couple of years where uh, even even when they lost games to Central Michigan or K-State, mm-hmm. you knew that they had the talent to come back and bounce back and and beat whoever's next. I think uh this team hasn't shown enough to make you say well, they could beat anybody on their schedule the way the way you felt the last few seasons, and and so I think that's that's probably what's leading to a lot of the criticism, a lot of the questions. Um, you know, obviously the the quarterback yeah, situation is right. is a major major part of that because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of people questioning it. Uh, so I, I think that's the difference is is the team isn't as good, and so they haven't they haven't done much to inspire confidence from their fan base. A couple of things that have happened, and I touched on this in the blog. Um, couple of things that have happened since uh, the end of last regular season that I think also I think fuel the, the rage right now and Gundy's raise Mike Gundy's raise at the mm-hmm. end of last season that just about everyone sort of like went uh, went wide-eyed at when they heard the news given the fact that last season was a disappointment yeah I think everyone agrees and Mike Holder's comments about from June about the, the recruiting mm-hmm. and uh, I know that a lot of work has been done at OSU to sort of soften that since then uh, we asked Gundy about it at Big 12 Media Days in July. He gave a long-winded answer that, that you, you could you could buy it or you, you could not. You choose, you, that it was up to you. But the fact is, it, it didn't didn't it didn't take the comments away. Right now, you've got I think fans circling back to the, those comments. You've got fans circling back to the decision to award Gundy the raise. And don't you think that that's part yeah. of what's feeding into what's going on right now? Yeah, and I think uh, at least in terms of the responses I got throughout the weekend, I don't think. You know, it, it doesn't seem like it's Mike Gundy's way to, to get animated and, and, and you know, pan, not panic, but, you know, right. really, you know, kind of show his kind of alertness to, to what's happening on his face and post game. But I do think his sort of calm demeanor in every single, you know, news conference setting uh, also is sort of setting fans off a little bit because I think they want to, they just want to see passion at, mm-hmm. you know, the, the effort's probably happening behind the scenes, but they want to see that passion sure. out in front. So I think that's, you know, probably something that contributes to it. Uh, I think that 
the Jalen McCluskey situation rubbed fans the wrong way. That, that adds on to it. Uh, and I think, and this is more specific to the quarterback, but I think the way the tide has shifted uh, and Alabama winning the national championship with the true freshman quarterback and Texas Tech and Iowa State beating Oklahoma State own, with the true freshman quarterback, mm-hmm. I, I think that that also is uh, you know what's happening around the country with, with different situations and, and how teams are finding ways you know, you look at Iowa State; they were one and three, and, yeah. and now all of a sudden they're, yeah. uh, you know, possibly heading for a bowl game because just because of a one quick change that sparked their team, and mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, I think all of those things contribute, and uh, people are looking around and saying, well, these teams are finding ways to turn around their seasons. Why, why not OSU? Well, we're going to get to the quarterback in a second. I promise. We're going to talk about that position and Cornelius Sanders Brown, all that stuff. But want to want to touch. Back, uh, if, if I might, since you, you mentioned the postgame demeanor of Gundy after after K State, I want to want to circle back to that just for a second. Look, I, I know he's upset about what happened. I'm not I'm not a fool. I, I understand that he's not he's he didn't blow the game off. Yeah, as fans are suggesting that, but I don't blame fans for suggesting it based on again the way he presented himself. Now, when he goes home to Stillwater and 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 out to his ranch and and has a private moment, I imagine he's pretty pretty chapped about what happened. And embarrassed, and whatever you want to say. I imagine what he said to his players the following day was a little different than what he said to us. Yeah, you would think so. After the game, I didn't think that he was going to say, "Yeah, I got no ideas. I'm panicked. This is this is this is really really alarming." Was the word that was used. But it's just you've got to understand the moment, and you've got to to think about how you present. I think yourself in the face of that moment. That was what bothered me about the reaction. Not not that he said, "Oh yeah, I got. What, what are we going to do here?" It was that he he was at the the I, we've been through this for fourteen years every every week feels yeah. the same I you, I just don't think you can go there no for the sake of what your fans are certainly you got to have an awareness of what your fans are thinking about what they just saw yeah because and I'm sure that this isn't going to be the case when they come out against Texas but it it came off as nothing really needs to change mm-hmm. and. Oklahoma State, you know, has lost three or four. They can't, they can't keep doing the same things over and over right. again. You know, on either side of the ball, and so uh, I think it was the fact that, you know, even if it wasn't the quarterback, every, everywhere else, he he didn't necessarily, you know, come out and say we're going to use this bye week to just sort of reevaluate everything and mm-hmm. you know take a look at some younger guys and see who's ready to play and you know, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't necessarily you know, make you think that this bye week was going to lead to any sort of big changes. And, and I think that's probably what, what concerns people a lot because mm-hmm. if they roll out with the same plan that they've had the last four weeks and they're playing Texas and West Virginia and OU, right. that, then the season's not going to end very happy. Yeah. It's the world's best Oklahoma State uh, football podcast. Mark Cooper alongside Garen Emig of the Tulsa World. Uh, back in the studio trying to... Uh, uh, trying to, I guess, give the patient a diagnosis. If you, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. you know, hopefully it's not completely a lost cause. Uh, examining what what happened to, to Oklahoma State in Manhattan Saturday, and now uh, pivoting to move forward uh, into their the rest of their their off week, and then toward the Texas game a week from Saturday. All right, so you 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 know the man better than I do. Um, one, he doesn't change a thing. Ten, he changes everything. One to ten, where do you fall? What, what's your what's your best guess on what happens Man, when, when they play the Longhorns? Um, I tend to think they're it's closer to a one than a ten. I don't think it'll be a one. I think there'll be some changes, but uh-huh. uh, at least in terms of personnel, I don't know that you'll see a lot of changes. At least in in the time that I've covered them, even in 2014, it's not like uh, you know their offensive line was struggling, but it's not like they were moving a bunch of guys in and out and 
right. you know, coming coming into a new game and let's throw this guy out there. The only time they ever really did that was they moved Brad Lundblade in at center as a walk-on true freshman, and, and that was really the only major change that they made over the course of that year on, on the offensive line. And mm-hmm. uh, So there's not many situations I can think of where you know, OSU's just sort of looked at a position and said, this isn't working, let's try somebody else out, which, I mean, makes sense. They're yeah. kind of basing it off of everything they've seen since the beginning of August and, and what guys they think can be out there. But uh, I don't think you're going to see wholesale changes and, you know, new safeties and new tackles and everything else yeah. coming out of here. Where were you? Uh, well, and, and everyone's waiting for the, the, the word quarterback. Yeah. We're getting to that. Uh, you're you're going to, in the fairness, we're recording this before you go see Mike Gundy this evening in, in Stillwater. We'll see what he says tonight by the time the the listeners get to hear this, we may have more clarity from Gundy on the yeah. quarterback position. But as of Wednesday afternoon around lunchtime, what, what do you think? I mean, what, what, what's your gut tell you? What? Man, it's really, again, it's just his track record is they haven't made a lot of quarterback changes mm-hmm. if it's not for injury. And this would be the time to do it. I just don't know. The thing that complicates it for me at this point is – if you put a guy out there now, he's not going to redshirt. Mm-hmm. And so you've kind of bungled the entire situation because, say it's Drew, say Drew Brown plays the next five games. Well, he's playing five games for a team that's already lost three games. They're not going to make the Big 12 title game. And so it almost feels like a waste of his final season, mm-hmm. you know, just to come out for those five games. Right. Or, or same for Spencer Sanders. Would you rather see him out there for the next five games or would you rather have those games down the line? And mm-hmm. so... Uh, I tend to think that you know maybe Cornelius comes out against Texas, and if it's very similar to start against Kansas State, you you make the sort switch of then. Have, you have no choice at that point, yeah. do you not? No, I mean I, I think the fans would be leaving the stadium if it's you know if they don't the first two drives of the game or three and outs or or things like that, or there's a turnover. Yeah. I, I think you risk losing the fan base. Uh, the one thing we don't really know is where the players stand on this anymore, and it, mm-hmm. it's really hard to tell. I don't think they're gonna. You know, really come out and, and say one way or the other. Yeah, you know what else we don't know, Mark is is still, and this is I kept I kept going back to this uh, every time it was asked me uh, before Saturday. We don't know what these guys are doing in practice. Yeah, we don't know how Spencer Sanders or Drew Brown have looked since they got to Stillwater. Mm-hmm. So we don't see practice. I'm trusting Gundy to 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 know that if he saw something in either one of those guys, that that by now he might have figured out if if not. If he doesn't want to contemplate a change, even out of fairness to, to Cornelius, which is the wrong way to look at it, but if he wants to be loyal to the fifth-year senior, fine. But doesn't he have to know by now that there may be a way to use either of those other two quarterbacks to help the team? That yeah. was always how I looked at it. Then came Saturday, and now I'm almost to the point of saying, don't you have to try to do something? To, yeah, to, just to even yeah. you know, maybe create a spark of, of energy. Maybe, maybe one of those guys, uh, even if they're not – playing at Brock Purdy's level when they come in the game, maybe it's just their kind of leadership and, and their energy on the field can can really change how everybody else plays. You, you know, that could affect how the offensive line blocks. It could, you know, mm-hmm. if you can really get guys going. And, uh, you know, one thing that I came out of the Kansas State game having a lot of questions about was who are the, the leaders on this team? Maybe there's somebody who can who can spark them who's not on the field right now. That's, that's one thing you don't know because, I mean, Cornelius is a pretty quiet guy, and I get the sense that that's how he is. Uh, in sort of all facets of, of what he does. And so uh, maybe there's kind of a, a louder voice who can you know, kind of rally the, these guys forward. Here's, here's what makes me think, Mark, he's about to maybe do something. After the game Saturday, for the first time that I know of, um, unless I missed a quote, 
he put what was going wrong on the quarterback. It wasn't. It was not the offensive line. And and I thought Mike Yersich's comments were really telling too. You were standing yeah, there yeah. When, when. Yeah, go ahead. Circle back when, to those when for kinda, just a second. Yeah. You know, he said, "What did he say?" Taylor Cornelius. He was asked about it. And Someone he said, said, asked if he yeah. took a step back. Yeah, and he said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah," and he said to say he didn't play satisfactory was an understatement. An understatement. I, I thought that was as strongly worded criticism as I've seen anybody kind of mm-hmm. say about the quarterback position. So you're right. If you kind of try to read between the lines, uh, I don't think any of us expected Mike Gundy to come out after that game and say. Oh, it's an open quarterback competition. Right, he's not going to announce that right. to his players through the media. No coach, no coach would. Right. Yeah. So, so I don't think uh, I know fans were pretty mad about what he said about it, but I don't think that that would happen. I don't. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to he's not going to put his players out there like that. And uh, you know, like you said, no coach would. But I do think if you read between the lines of their comments, there seems to be more concern about that position than there has been at all this mm-hmm. year. Because I mean, Cornelius's performance against Kansas State wasn't really any different from this performance against Texas Tech. But Mike Gundy and Mike Gersich's comments after the game were a lot different than they were after the Texas Tech yeah. game. This 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 narrative of losing a team, I think I think that's overstated a lot of times. I'm not so sure though it is in this case because it just we were down on the sidelines toward the end of that game, and I mean you're, you're getting your butt kicked like OSU was to a team that was winless in the conference. You're you're not sound like you're going to look <laughs> happy, yeah, right? No doubt. I, I get that, but the the vibe is was clearly coming off the field at the end of that game. We're on the edge of something dangerous here, and so um, and this and this almost goes back again to something like McCluskey. I mean, something like that happens, and you win, you keep winning after the fact. Well, you don't probably don't worry about it. Yeah. When, when a senior player of his of his caliber leaves the team for whatever right. re- for whatever reason, I, I know why he left. And yeah, he's, and that was the case. They, they you know he leaves after the Texas Tech game. The next week, Landon Wolf catches six passes right. for more than hundred yards, and and you know people forget about it right away. Yeah, but now it's an issue again in terms of what's going on. You know what I mean with regard to the mm-hmm. mentality of this team because of what's happened since that Kansas game. And so what I'm saying is, uh, I, I think we're we're at a point not just in terms of how OSU is playing, but just uh, how they're they're reacting and how the the, the, the you know the, the, there's just the spirited feeling around yeah. the program. Right. I mean, now. there's there's a absolutely a sense of urgency, if nothing else. I think uh, you know there aren't a lot of players who who are going to come out and say that but Jordan Brailford I think is is pretty confident in his status on the team and as a leader and uh he was pretty stern after the game just in terms of it's on the players to hold each other accountable in in practice and and not letting things go anymore and uh you know there are mistakes that they're making now that they were making in the first game of the season and and those got to stop and and he was referring to the defense which you know obviously we we're talking about the quarterback the right, defense might right. even be a larger issue at this point with with the way they played the last few weeks uh but uh, you know, maybe that's a good. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you know they go into practice this week, and guys like Brailford and Phillips are you know more vocal and and more you know stern about keeping guys accountable, and and you start to see more player leadership, and and maybe that's something that's been lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just it, it'll be interesting to see what this week off does for this team. Yeah. Well, here's the fear. I mean, all the consternation among the fan base on offense, despite the lines issues. Is it quarterback? I mean, it's mm-hmm. all coming down on Taylor Cornelius right now. On on defense, isn't it all sort of coming down on Jim Knowles? Oh yeah, yeah. No I mean, so it's from from this might this might have been the perfect hire coming out of the Boise State game to oh, so this is what it's like in the Big Twelve Conference. You know, what what do you got for us now? That that kind of thing. Isn't that crazy? How that 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 whole the whole you know uh, aura around him is has has pivoted since conference mm-hmm. games began. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're really struggling to defend the pass, and uh, this game obviously was the run. 
the one thing that I do think, whether or not they change at quarterback, uh, they need just – I think their defensive game plan wasn't very good against Kansas State because they set out to prevent deep ball against Kansas State, which, I mean, I know that's OSU's kind of Achilles heel, but mm-hmm. didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but even on the offensive side of the ball, just sort of what needs to change game plan-wise is they need to play to their players' strengths a little bit more. It, it felt – it's felt a lot, you know, in a couple games this year that – They've kind of tried to stick Taylor Cornelius in, in the Mason Rudolph mold, and, and they run the plays that Mason Rudolph was good at, and, and they try to make Taylor Cornelius you know good at those, mm-hmm. and, and that doesn't always work out that way. There was maybe the second drive of the game. I think it was OSU's first scoring drive. They, they moved down the field by throwing the ball to Hill and Hubbard, yep. and they had both right. guys in the backfield, and uh, Cornelius can execute the short throws and, and the intermediate throws pretty well, and it worked, and they never really went back to it. And yeah. so uh, regardless of whether it's Cornelius or it's Brown or it's Sanders, uh, I would hope that they really take a hard look and really play to the strengths of, of mm-hmm. what their quarterback can do because I, I don't get the sense that they've always done that with Cornelius and uh, you know in addition to the offensive line and everything else it's just yeah. sort of in some ways he's he hasn't been set up to play as well as he, maybe he can. You mentioned something very interesting and again I, I just blogged about it but I, I watched Oklahoma and I, I know OSU fans hate it when you go to Oklahoma to make a good point mm-hmm. but I just I, it's worth making but promise three years ago in Lincoln Riley's first season as play caller, I was at the uh, OSU OUK State game in Manhattan. They were coming off a loss to Texas at the time, an unexpected one. And you know what Lincoln Riley did that day? He he realized that uh, Mayfield was pretty good, but his most proven players at that point were the running backs. They were Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. He gave him the ball that day. He also employed them both, and he, and he got them moving. He got them in motion, and he got the defense reacting to them. And what that did was open up a whole new world for Mayfield, Westbrook, Shepard in the passing game, and really it opened up a whole new world from Lincoln Riley. I'm not suggesting that Taylor Cornelius is Baker Mayfield yeah. or that or that uh, Hill, Hubbard, and, and King are P. Ryan and Mixon. I, I, the, I know the, the weaponry is different, but the idea, if you understand yeah. what I'm saying in terms of the idea, it, there's probably something to that is, is the point mm-hmm. I'm trying to make. Yeah, find find ways to get the ball in, in those guys' hands. You know, if, if running the ball isn't working, if their offensive line can't, help Hill get more than three or four yards a carry, then then start doing it in the passing game. And I really like the idea of having two of those guys on the field at once because I think it it really confuses the defense, especially if you get one of those guys in motion or, or do a bunch of different things. And like you said, it's going to open things up and maybe take some pressure off Tylen Wallace and, mm-hmm. and Tyron Johnson and those guys. All right, we've got, I guess, next week to talk more about Texas and the specific matchup. Mm-hmm. This strange as it sounds, as well as Texas is playing and, and uh, where they sit in the Big 12 Conference, maybe this is just what OSU needs, given the fact that they've done yeah. pretty well every time they've seen Texas the last seven yeah, or eight years. And you'd think that they're going to be pretty fired up for a primetime homecoming game, you know, 7 p.m. ABC. It's There's going to be a lot of pageantry, obviously, you know, Barry Sanders and everybody else is going to be right. in town. It's uh, this. There's usually, more often than not, one game a year that Oklahoma State plays just sort of beyond their level and just kind of pummels a team. Uh, you know, they, they did it to TCU two years in a row in 15 and 16, and uh, usually they kind of summon one of those performances. Maybe this is that game that, that they just sort of come out and, and they're playing way above their ability as opposed to, you know, some of the past few weeks and, and some games in the past few years where it always feels like they play to the level of their competition. Yeah, we don't know about Sam Ellinger's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if he was starting, it's not like this is Vince Young or Colt McCoy that you're having to stop. This is this is a better Texas team. It's not a vintage Texas team. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, there's a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball 
Calvin Bunyage comes to mind first, who's they've kind of disappeared the last few weeks. Yeah. Calvin Bunyage got off to a fast start. Maybe it's that ankle injury. Maybe this this week off gets him back to a point where he can come out and, and really kind of have a big game because yeah. he feels like a missing piece in Big 12 play. He hasn't yeah. – you, you, you haven't heard his name called. I haven't noticed him very much in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it was Brailford and Bunyage for a while, and now it's sort of just Brailford and, and mm-hmm. where is Bunyage. So, okay, well, that's – that's another issue that, uh, that, that perhaps <laughs> needs readdressing. There's a lot of them right now in Stillwater. We've tried to touch on them during the show. We'll come back next week and, and, and again, get more into uh, the matchup specific to, to Texas. Maybe talk about Barry Sanders' return, which mm-hmm. would shot to be awfully cool, I would yeah, think. I would, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty neat. For homecoming weekend. So uh, please join us for that. Uh, stay with the Tulsa World for up-to-the-minute uh, stories, blogs, columns, analysis of the Cowboys on TulsaWorld.com. Tulsa World's Sports Tech. Here for Mark Cooper. This is Gary Neiman signing off on the World Fest. Hope you'll be